Welcome to the Fired Coaches Podcast with host Marcus Weger. Each episode, we take a detailed look into the trials and tribulations that college coaches had to go through in their career, reflecting on what matters most. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and follow us on Twitter at Fired Coaches Pod. We appreciate you taking the time to listen. Episode 35 of the Fired Coaches Podcast. We have the guest out of 35 episodes who I've known the longest. This guy's been out of college for a decade now, which is crazy to say. I, re- I feel really old, but I was teammates with him for a year, coached him for a year, and just been awesome to see his growth mindset over the last decade, really, and what he's done in his career. So today for episode 35, Josh Washington, how are you doing, my man? Good, man. I appreciate it. You said last decade. I'm like, man, that makes me feel old too. So <laughs> it's all good, but I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. The difference is I'm finally growing facial hair and you still look the same. So at least uh, things on your end are going well. Uh, yeah, oh, baby face look. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll jump into it. So obviously I mentioned at the start here, uh, we were teammates for a year in college and then I had the opportunity to come back and coach you in your senior year. Can you kind of talk about your playing career and specifically kind of your senior year? Um, it was not a fun year. It was four and 21 and kind of what you learned through some of that adversity. I'll take it back a step a little bit. So high school just kind of gives guys like my framework and my mindset going into it. Um, freshman year, I got cut from basketball in high school. Sophomore year, you know, I bust my ass that uh, summer, make the JV team sophomore year, end up moving up, you know, after that and varsity throughout. So I was used to like putting in work and kind of, you know, working my way up. So when I get to Marion, um, it's actually funny because I commit to Marion because of you. Like, I remember you inviting me up and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I met you, I'd, I'd met you. I, I remember in the gym, your senior yeah. year, it was like a spring open house. I remember mm-hmm. you and your mom. And I, I, to this day, I remember that. And all I heard about was this guy, this guy at Nicolay, he guarded Corey Lucius and just shut him down. That's all I heard about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Cause I wouldn't say I shut him down, but I, 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 I made him earn his buckets. I can say that. But, um, so get to Marion, uh, and kind of like every freshman, you know, like they are going to play right away. That didn't happen for me. But at that point, it was like, okay, time to lace up the shoes and go to work again. Like you got to grind it out. So I was used to working my way to earn playing time. So um, by the time I got to junior year, I was playing heavily. And then senior year, um, the actual summer, I tore my meniscus. I didn't know about it yet, but season started. And I'm like, man, practice just started. Like, coach, I can't even get through the first three days. So we go get MRI, tore meniscus. I'm out like six weeks or something like that. So I don't even can't even recall how many games I missed. But so senior year started off rocky. Uh, we had another player on our team who was actually really, really good. Uh, unfortunately, he um, he withdrew from the school unexpectedly. So he's now gone. Um, I didn't play the first game. It was kind of rocky from there. Uh, and then that ended up transpiring to a four and one uh, or four, excuse me, four and twenty one senior year. But um, there are definitely some learning experiences and growing pains um me trying to be a leader and stuff like that trying to figure some things out um in retrospect i've done it better 100 percent um would i change anything though absolutely not uh so there was things i did throughout the year um i recall one incident uh we're on the road and i don't even know why i'm telling the story but it, it, like we were we were playing bad we're on a losing streak i hated the vibe in the locker room things like that and i was like i gotta do something so we're on the on the road visiting teams girls locker room and uh a girl's phone was there and her boyfriend had texted her. So for whatever reason, I thought it'd be funny to play a prank on him. That backfired terribly. Coach found out, um, he wanted to find out who did it. And in that moment, I'm thinking my teams would rat me out, but no one ratted me out. So I was like, okay, even though we're playing terribly, we still have each other's back. So I'll go up to coach, I own up to it. He makes me run sprints or something like that. Um, totally fine, I mean, I accepted the consequences. It was what it was, but even though on the court, we had no success. I think like a bond and stuff like that, like things we learned off the court kind of helped me instill some things into me to this day. So, um, yeah, man, it was a struggle to say the least, not just physically, but um, it was just, it wasn't what I wanted, but I think mentally what I got out of was way more than what I would do or anything that you record on a stat sheet or a win-loss record. And I mean, I, I was four and 17, my junior year in high school, three and 18, my senior in high school. And then obviously going through that four and 21 year, when I came back to coach at Marion, like, I think it's funny because I think obviously like what I have loved state championships in high school or love to not be four and 21, obviously, 
but I think there's something to be said when you go through times like that, as long as you're like, you're like, you're saying, looking back and would there be some things, you know, things I learned from, you know, but again, it kind of makes you who you are. And again, you can grow, you can grow from it or you can just be like, yeah, we were garbage. We were trash. We were, we sucked, you know, and just kind of move on and not really learn from it. So I think there's something to be learned and, and struggles like that. You know, I know you were a sport management major at Marion, you get out of school and you kind of realize like, that's not really the path you want to go on. You wanted to be more of like an exercise science, maybe kinesiology type guy, but Marion didn't offer that other than a biology major. So can you kind of talk about that path? Like you graduated, you know, you're done playing hoops, you got a degree, but it's not necessarily what you want to do. For me, uh, it was actually, I think senior year, we didn't have a strength conditioning coach, right? D3 school. I mean, uh, resources, things like that were limited, but um, coach was, you know, we were lucky enough. He brought a guy in. He was a strength conditioning coach. I didn't know at the time. I simply just thought he was a personal trainer for athletes. And we get to talk, and I'm like, so what do you do? And he's like, I oh, really, that's honestly what he said. He was like, kind of a personal trainer, but really I'm a coach. I just train athletes. And I'm like, oh, and you wear, like, shorts and T-shirts to work? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that sounds just, fun, right? <laughs> right? No, de definitely sounded fun because sports management, you think, you know, it's business, right? But you're still wearing suits and stuff like that. So that's what kind of intrigued me originally. Um, I graduate, I get a job, um, kind of like a sports account executive for, I don't know if it's, it's Spectrum now, I think, but it was Time Warner Cable at the time. Uh, hated it. Um, and at that point, I was like, yo, I don't want to live my life like this, like this isn't it. But uh, so I started applying for internships, strength conditioning, training, all those things. Um, so that's what kind of like led me to that route. Uh, I ended up going to Impact Basketball, which is in uh, Florida. Coincidentally, it's like 45 minutes from Tampa, which is where I'm sitting right now. But uh, impact basketball, the way the best way to explain it, uh, it's a prep school. It's little brother to IMG. So really, if you weren't talented enough or if you couldn't afford IMG, you'd go to impact. So I was there for almost a year. And basically, I wouldn't even call it a real internship. It was more like a get your feet wet, see if you really want to do it, which I did. I just wanted to do it in a more structured setting. So came back to Milwaukee. Um, and that's when I realized, like, hey, I want to do a, be a strength conditioning coach. So um, I get a job at Gold's Gym part-time while I need to get my CSCS because I didn't have that certification. At this point, I only had a degree. I'm learning these things like a personal trainer, you need a certified personal training cert or something like that. Same thing with a strength conditioning coach, you need to be certified to some degree by some nationally accredited organization. So basically, we checking all my boxes, say, I am who I say I am. I got the credentials to prove it, so to speak. So um really like it was me meeting that guy because I had no idea what it was and then I found out about it I'm like okay how do I do that because what I'm currently doing that's not it but uh yeah so that's how that kind of transitioned for me at least initially so you do the impact thing and then yep. you end up coming back home to the Milwaukee area and yep. you have internships at UWM and at Marquette can you talk about obviously being back home but finally getting your feet wet into an area you think you want to do and yep. how that kind of lit your fire to continue the path that it went on yeah, so I come back home, I get a job at Gold's Gym. Um, at the time, I'm working at the front desk, and I'm looking at the job requirements, right? Because everyone says, like, well, what are the requirements? And then we all know the thing, well, master's degree preferred, bachelor's required, things like that. So I'm like, okay, well, I need to get my master's, I need to get this cert. So I'm working at Gold's Gym part-time, practicing, like I'm studying, I got all the material to get my cert. And then I want to get my master's, but my degree is in sports management. I wanted a master's in exercise physiology, kinesiology, something around those realms. At one point, I was working at Gold's Gym in the morning, like 4.30 in the morning. Then I would leave all the way to go to Wisconsin, Lutheran. So people were in Wisconsin. I'm downtown in uh, Milwaukee. I would go all the way towards Wisconsin, Lutheran, take classes, basically prerequisites that I needed in order to apply for my master's. And then I would come back and either train at Gold's or I would train it uh, or I would go intern at Marquette, which I was. So before even Gold's Gym um, or before Marquette, I was intern at Milwaukee, UW-Milwaukee for nine months, I believe. And that was like my first real internship. I actually started learning some things. Still green in the field. Like I wasn't even comfortable who I am as a coach or anything like that. But I had the presence, you know, 6'3", taller black dude. I look like I look athletic. I am kind of still. But uh, <laughs> like on face value like okay cool like he matches the eye test that works um now if you ask me about training at that time i didn't know anything but uh so that was the original start and then through my network and stuff like that the head strength coach at uw Milwaukee at the time was uh, matthew holt he had actually interned at, Mar at marquette before and he said hey you should apply at Mar marquette so basically 
he was telling me I need to be getting more experiences, which I didn't know, but I was all about it because I want to be a strength, strength conditioning coach. So I it's, not, and it's not, not like you had to relocate or anything, right? So it's right there. So. Right. All in the same city. Yeah, exactly. So I go to my intern at UW, or excuse me, my intern at Marquette now, and Todd Smith was the head strength coach at the time. He directed the whole program, but he was in charge of men's basketball specifically. And it's Marquette, right? D-Wade played there, Travis Diener, obviously. I mean, Steve Novak, too. I don't want to forget anybody, but obviously a prominent basketball school. I was like, okay, cool. And it was Nike, too, right? So, like, they had the logo and stuff like that. And not that I was concerned about it, but at the time, I thought it was cool. But now I'm learning. And Ty was very strict. He was very stern, like, um, very blunt to the, like, kind of rude, maybe even kind of asshole, but I didn't care. Like, that didn't bother me at all. Like, I got tough skin, so, like, you can yell, you can do whatever, cool, whatever. But um, Todd, for whatever reason, he had an affinity for me or whatever. He never really invited any of the interns to come train with basketball. He says, hey, Washington, you want to come train? And I said, yeah. He said, all right, we got to be here Friday morning. See you tomorrow at 5 a.m. I show up at like 4.45, you know, be early. I'm out waiting in the cold of Wisconsin. But um, he uh, kind of took me on his wing that way. He was showing me how he programmed. He kind of baby stepped me into it, but he really, for whatever reason, I mean, Todd liked me. He kind of groomed me that way, so to speak. So now I'm starting to learn more. And then, um, so I got to tell you that this part, while I'm interning at UW-Milwaukee, while I'm interning at Marquette, before I even get this internship at UW-Milwaukee, two weeks before I'm about to start, 4th of July weekend, my car, like a tree falls in my car. It's now total, like I don't have a car to drive. But thanks, thankfully in the city of Milwaukee, they had public transportation. So I just got up, I started catching the bus. So I would catch the bus to UW Milwaukee. I would catch it back to um, Gold's Gym. It actually worked out because there's only one bus I had to take. And then same thing when I got to Marquette, I would go to work in the morning, 4.30. I would catch the bus all the way to Wisconsin Luther. I would bring it all the way back to Marquette. I would go back to go to the train. And then I was kind of like my schedule. But like I said, like, if you really want it, like, you just gonna find a way. And it was a grind. I hated it. I mean, it was in the cold. I got a bike at one point. But I mean, it was what it was. And it wasn't like, um, I could easily look back and said, man, like, it's so much easier for other people. Why is it like that? Blah, blah, blah. This and that. I'm like, dude, shut up. Like, either you're gonna do it or you're not. So for me, like, it's the very early beginning where I start figuring out life is very binary. Either you're going to do something or you're not going to do it. You're either going to sacrifice or you're not going to sacrifice. Like, it's, it's one or the other. It's not that difficult on paper anyway. Like, to say that out loud, it's easy to say. But to actually go through those steps and actually physically do it, that's the hard part. So I'm not saying that part's easy, but the choice you have to make, it's a yes or no decision, really. So that was kind of the grind at that point. Interning in Marquette for six months, I was at so basically a year and a half between my time in Milwaukee when I came back, a year and a half, maybe two years total between interning at those two schools. Can you talk about, because I've, I've seen Todd Smith coach um, going to a, a coaching clinic of Buzz Williams before and kind of seen him operate a little bit, but obviously from a, from a long distance. And you kind of talked about, I mean, he is kind of an intimidating factor, right? He's got that personality. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, a lot of strength guys are kind of like that in certain ways, not all of them. But can you kind of talk about that experience of like, okay, he's like, yeah, you got to show up here at 445 in the morning to work out men's basketball. Like this is, and maybe you didn't even realize that at the time you, you know, you obviously played basketball. It seemed like an interest to you, but you know, you taking that door almost to say, yeah, I'll go train with men's basketball. Like I, in some ways, I almost feel like that kind of connected you with other things, even though like that job may not have specifically connected you. So can you kind of talk about what that was like getting up in the morning to train with Hoopson? Yeah. So that was kind of, it's almost like a trial error. Like Todd's like, okay, here, let's, all right, you want to train basketball? Here's your shot. So I show up and Todd's very strict. Like he wants things done a certain way, but he's very detailed. And I'll never forget um, this is what happened before he asked me to uh, enter or specifically to come work with him with basketball in the morning. He asked us to set the weight room up, me and the other interns, and we did. And we set it up wrong. And he comes in there and it's like, why the fuck is it set up this way? I asked you to put it on this side. And I said, no, you said put it to the left. And he looked at me and he was like, that is, it's a yeah, the left over here. I'm saying, well, when you said to the left, this is also the left. Not that I was trying to be like an asshole, but I was just like, yo, I, I heard you to a T, but my left and what you were talking about were just different. And he kind of like looked at me, not that he was like, yo, you talking back, but it was more so like, okay, dude got a little backbone. I, I respect that. So he was mad, told me to fix it. We fixed it. And then at that point, I think he was kind of like, okay, I'm watching, you know, like in a good way, so to speak, like maybe he might, maybe he might pan out all right. It's funny now, because like with Todd, like we still text here and there, kind of check in. He's very, even to this day, he's still the same way. He's still the same guy. But I think because I've grown and I matured, 
I don't look at it as like intimidating anymore. I'm just like, oh, that's Todd. He's just an asshole, but <laughs> it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's just he's detailed. He's been in the game for a while. He knows how he likes things done. So it's not a knife by any means, but it's more so like when you've been doing it for a while, you know what works, you know what doesn't. You're quick to like sniff out the BS or like, no, that's not going to cut it. And like, I'm not even going to entertain it. We're just going to stop it right there and there. That's kind of the dy- dynamic there with Todd. But uh, it's cool. Like, it's funny because my high school coach, he was kind of a prick too. So now when I'm around people like that, I don't think anything of it. It's never personal more than anything, right? So even if people are like that, I think if the listeners are going to take anything away from that, like if people are assholes, it's more of a reflection of, the, of them more than it is about you. And that's not negative either. It's just like, the, just don't take it personal. Like it has nothing to do with you with how they respond and things like that. And I think now, even with the culture nowadays, I think kids, you know, the rappers, they're getting soft and things like that, which is, I mean, I kind of agree with that too, but that's just words, right? Like everybody needs to calm down a little bit. We get caught up in cancer culture and things like that. It's not that serious. So you really make a huge jump after the Marquette experience and you move out to Cali. So I wouldn't even consider that a big jump as far as, uh, I wouldn't consider Stanford a big jump yet. So for me, after Marquette, I'm like, okay, I intern, unpaid internships, two years. Still haven't made any money yet. I'm still not an assistant strength coach at the very least, but I'm not getting paid to do it yet. And basically I came to a realization that if I make it as a strength coach, I have to get out of my comfort zone. Milwaukee is where I'm from. I grew up there. Basically, I was like, I'm apply to every internship outside of Wisconsin. How many I applied to, I don't even know, but <laughs> the only one who offered was Stanford. Unpaid internship for six months. We're competing for a paid internship, and it was on Palo Alto, so the Bay Area. If no one knows, that's arguably the most expensive place in the country to live. And at this time, um, you are, like you mentioned, you're applying to, I, mean, I remember we talked a little bit at that time. I mean, you're applying to D3s in Illinois, right? You're playing, applying to anywhere that has a strength and conditioning opportunity, you know, whether it's internship or obviously, I know you're at that time working on completing your, your certification stuff so you can do master's, but you're really applying anywhere at that time. Yep. So I'm applying anywhere and everywhere. My whole goal at this point, like I knew I wanted to be a strength coach and specifically I want to be a strength conditioning coach for men's basketball. Like that's my forte. That's what I'm comfortable with. That's where the guys I understand the most, like that's where I'll, not that I was comfortable, but like I understood it. Like if I was gonna make an impact, it was gonna be at that level with that specific sport. So fortunately, Stanford was the only one that actually offered me an internship. I was I was getting interviews and stuff like that, but no one actually offered but Stanford. So I made the decision. Okay, well I'm about to pack up and move out west. So <laughs> the funny part is because I'm only at Stanford for two months, so I get there and my whole plan was Corey Schlesinger. He was a men's basketball strength conditioning coach at the time. And I was following him on Instagram and I was liking his stuff and I didn't have a traditional background. Like I didn't get a, a ma- undergrad degree in kinesiology or anything like that. Like my trajectory was totally different. So for me, like I thought like my path and like training was going to be a little different too. And with Corey, his training philosophy and stuff like that was kind of outside the box. And I'm like, okay, why is he so different from everyone else? I want to come learn under this dude. You know, like what does he know? And so I get to Stanford. I'm only there for two months because I found out really quickly, like, hey, I'm going to run out of money. Like, I saved a bunch of money up to get out there. My plan was, hey, I got all this money saved up. I'll make it to December. I'll get the paid internship. Life will be good. Um, I'm up two months and I'm like, I'm like, at, at this point, I wasn't going to make it to six months. I was going to have to move back home because I was going to run out of money. But fortunately, intern at Stanford, connect with Corey, like, instantly, we hit it off right away. And he just took me under his wing. I was supposed to be interning with other Olympic sports, but Corey was like, no, nah, he's going to be with me as much as he can. And I'll vouch for you. I'm like, okay, cool. So as long as I was just doing my internship duties, like cleaning, you know, make sure nutrition and stuff like that was stocked, make sure the weight room was tidied up and stuff like that. Once all those are done, okay, when's men's basketball training? And I go over there with Corey. Man, I owe so much to do because he kind of, like my career was kind of like, plat- not plateauing, but it was like going like this. And it's, it, it, can can go, it can go two ways, right? Exactly. And it started to peak a little bit when I met Corey. And one, the biggest thing I learned from him was it's not about thinking outside the box. There is no box to begin with. Right. So I'm like, okay, cool. And then at this point, I still thought strength coaches, like you see football strength coaches, strength conditioning coaches on TV, they're yelling, they're banging their heads on helmets and stuff like that. That is, Marcus, you know me, that is not me at all. And Corey just basically said, yo, man, you can be yourself and still be a really good strength coach. So at that point, now I'm starting to learn who I am as a coach, have my actual presence, show my personality, 
he started letting me train the guys. Like, so basically, like, hey, here's our lift for today. Here's the warm up. All right, Josh, you got the warm up. Guys are coming in in 30 seconds. I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, oh, okay. He just threw me into the fire, called me like swimming with the sharks, basically. But I survived. Basically, it was the get comfortable being uncomfortable approach, but um, it helped me, right? So, like, him throwing me in the fire like that. And basically, that whole mindset and my approach was, you know, at the very least, like, you make a mistake, you fuck up. Big deal. You don't die from it. It's not that serious, right? So, I was growing. I was learning. I mean, I, owe, I just owe a lot to Corey, but that whole experience. So at that point, I'm running out of money, thinking like to myself, man, like something's got to happen because I really want to do this. And I hate that I have to like quit or like go back home because I, I don't have money to do it. I didn't have, like I grew up in a single parent uh, household with my mother and my two brothers, right? I didn't have <clears throat> a bunch of money saved up. I didn't have her to pay my rent or anything like that. It was just me basically footing the bill. So Corey, well-connected in the field, this is like my big break right here. So Corey knew the King, Sacramento King strength and conditioning head coach by the name of uh, Ramsey Nijem, who's Dr. Nijem right now. But uh, at the time, I didn't know him. He came in the building, Ramsey did. And I was like, ooh, I saw he had the King shirt on. I was like, I, I need to talk to you. But me doing an internship, I was in the middle of cleaning and other coaches were there. So it looked really bad if I put down the rag and the spray bottle to go talk. So I was like, damn. And I was looking, I was like, I want to talk to him, but it was just a bad look, right? So I just waited. Corey's such a real one. He comes up to me later in the day. He's like, yo, like, why don't you come over there? And I told him, he was like, man, fuck that. I would have vouched for you. And I said, oh, I didn't know. He says, well, look, he says, I got some news for you. He was like, first of all, he's like, are you a paid intern? I said, no, I'm unpaid. He was like, okay, no brainer, apply. He's paid internship, Sacramento Kings. Uh, he's like, I know you want to do basketball. He said, I've seen a lot of people take this position and then boom, they get a full-time gig right after. So he said, you weren't a lock for it, but I'm putting my stamp on you. You, get, you got my word, and I want you to apply. I'm looking for a big break, right? Because I'm literally running out of money, and this is the break. At the time, I didn't really know it. I just thought paid internships, Sacramento King. I'm getting money to do it, at least at this point. So now I can actually do it, and I have to worry about bills financially. So like that stress right there alone, I don't have to deal with. So I remember applying. And you know how we do Zooms and stuff like that. I got the shirt and tie on, and I was questioning, Chuck, do I put pants on or shoes? <laughs> and... Someone told me, I said, you know what, put pants on. Not that they're, not that they're going to ask you to stand up, but you never know. So um, I did an interview. They did not ask me to stand up, by the way, but I was I was so nervous. Like, I, I did not want to ruin it. But uh, so I ended up getting an internship, thankfully, with the Sacramento Kings. I was there for a year, a little over a year, but now I'm training NBA guys. And then you kind of wonder, like, oh, well, damn, it's NBA players. Like, you can't be starstruck doing like thing like that. And that's where I want to stop you because, like, okay, so you're at Milwaukee, you're at Marquette. Marquette, you dabbled with hoops a little bit with, with Smith. Yep. Then you go to Stanford, you're dabbling with hoops a little bit there. And, again, you play college basketball, but, again, that's a, a lot different level, right? Different guys you're dealing with yep. at Marquette and Stanford. But now you really make a huge jump in terms of the – you're talking about Stanford, you're getting thrown in the fire, training mm -hmm. guys. But now you're <laughs> – right, you're training professional athletes. So what was that like? At Marquette, it's funny because like you see these guys on TV, and coincidentally, we're getting our hair cut by the same barber at Marquette. So I would see the guys outside the weight room, kind of like help with that relationship and kind of ease. Not that I was like starstruck, but I was like, okay, whatever, like they're normal. Same thing at Stanford, and then even at Marquette, when guys in the NBA would play the Bucks, they would come to Marquette and use the weight room sometimes. So I would see NBA players then too. So I was already kind of comfortable with seeing them. So now when I get to the NBA and you see these guys, I think the biggest thing that people think like, oh, they're celebrities, they're, they're millionaires. I'm like, dude, they're normal people. Like, this is, it's like a job and it's a really cool job, but like, don't, don't get, like they're still normal. So I think that's why you see some celebrities like they don't want to do autographs and stuff like that. I'm like, yo, they're just like you and I, they get sick of it too. Like I feel some type of way if every time I got off a bus, somebody wanted my autographs. Like I don't have time to breathe or be, I can't even take my nose without somebody taking a picture of it, so to speak. So. <laughs> I got, they're, they're really normal. So when I got to the NBA, I didn't, I was more so anticipating or curious how it was going to be at this level, but there was really no difference as far as them as people, as far as I'm being at the NBA level. I say the real big difference between college and NBA would be the conversations and how you speak to them. So in college, it would be, for example, hey, we're going back squat today. Oh man, I don't want to back squat. Okay, cool. We're doing it anyway. Whereas in the NBA, it's, Hey man, I had back squat on the schedule, but you know, how's your body feeling? Like, what what do you want to do, man? Coach, I don't want a back squat. Okay, that's fine. What type of squat? We have to squat today. Like that's kind of the thing. But I let you choose to squat, and then now they get options. So the biggest difference there, NBA 
a little, the conversation is a little more open, whereas college, it can be a little more direct or a little more one way, so to speak. So that would be the difference there. But so now I'm training NBA players. Okay, this is cool. I still didn't really know anything, but I'm still learning a lot. And then the biggest thing from there, like Corey, like I said, like he kind of helped me come into my own. So when I get to the Kings, they said, uh, Josh, you got, you got the warm up. And I think they thought I was going to be scared. And I said, oh, okay, bet. So I get up, I walk straight to the court, and I turn around like, y'all not coming with? And I think they were kind of shocked, like, wait, he's not scared? And I was like, no, I said, we can do the warm-up. So I get on the court. And it's actually kind of cool because they didn't plan this, but we got the scouts there. We got front office there. Usually they're not at practice like that, but everybody was at practice. We got chairs lined up around the court. I'm like, oh, shit. So we got people in the building, basically, not just the team. And I'm doing the warm-up, and one of the guys said, oh, Ramsey, you, you say, Jocelyn, the warm-up? He said, oh, he said, you going to feed them to the Sharks? And I said, yeah, but I said, guess what? We swimming, though. We swimming. We're going to be high. And they all start laughing. That's how you knew the warm-up was going to be good. That's how you knew it was going to be a good day. So I start to warm-up. When I said we're going to be swimming, they all laughed. I'm like, let's go. We on the line. Warm-up goes smooth to the point where after I'm done, one of the coaches come up to me and says, you know, Josh, you did a great job. So they were impressed at this point. That was a little validation for me. I'm like, okay cool like maybe i can't do this i'll be a height so i get back in the room they're like damn man like, hey, I, I, I thought you was gonna fold for a minute i'm like nah man like, i've been here before so it was cool on that end with ramsey so at the time it was Ramsey nigem evan van beesler and then ernie de los angeles so ram was the head strength coach evan was the assistant ernie was the head of the g league team at the time and then i was the intern but how we operated for me like marcus i just showed up and worked at the end of the day like if you show up early and just be present people respect that more often than you think. And then you start to get more responsibilities from that point, start taking more initiative. So they were telling me what I needed to do. Basically, I knew what needed to be done. You didn't have to go tell me, I would just go get it done. So I got to a point where by title, I was an intern, but no one treated me like that at all. Um, the intern didn't travel on the road. You get to go on one road trip. And they took me on like the longest one. They took me on a 10 day road trip. So, which is dope because we went to um, San Antonio, we went to LA so I could see Staples Center. I'm on Staples. I'm on the court, the hardwood floor, like the ore and stuff like that. I'm like, wow, this is Staples. Crazy experience. Uh, went to Memphis, went to Phoenix, which is cool because my older brother stays in Phoenix. So I got to see my older brother while I was down there. I got to see one of my friends who actually who I played, went to high school with in Phoenix too. So that was cool. That was a 17-18 season, correct? That you were primarily yeah, there? So I mean, that was, was, uh, that was like Vince yeah. Carter, George Hill. Those guys were with the Kings at the time, right? Yep. Yeah, so that was uh, De'Aaron Fox's rookie year. That was Vince Carter. He was on a year. He was on a team one year at that time. So that was the story of Vince Carter. I'll tell you. Yeah, that, 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 that's a little different, right? We're talking about, okay, how are you handling training pros? But not only do you have a pro, you have a pros pro literally in the building. So Vince Carter's on a team, and it's like towards the end of training camp where we're doing like vert, like jump testing. And the older guys on a team, like Vince Carter at the time, he's in the league for 20 years. Clearly, whatever he was doing prior works. So I'm like, yo, you're a vet. Like, we're basically like, hey, you don't have to do the vert jump if you don't want to. But it's Vince Carter, Vince Handy. Right? He's known for dunking. So he walks in the weight room. He's like, oh, I don't have to do it. We're like, nah. He's like, all right, fine. And then he looks. He's like, what's the highest score? And at the time, somebody jumped like 43 inches. And he looks. He's like, nah, I ain't going to do it. And he, I'm like, are you sure? He gets to the door. Hand is on the door. He turns around. He's like, all right, fuck it. I'll do it. No warm up. No stretch. Motherfucker runs, jumps 46 inches. Walks out the door. The, the sickest part was all the guys are standing watching, like with their mouths open. You got Deer and Fox, who's just a rookie, right? Like, oh my god! Right. So you got this old man. So the thing is, you get older, like he still can do it, but you gotta realize, like at that age, like it hurts the joints and stuff. So it's funny because he hates dunking now because of how it feels, but he also feels obligated to do it because, like, that's kind of how people recognize him. Even when he was playing up until he, when he retired, like I remember watching him when he, when he went to the Atlanta Hawks or whoever. He get a fast break. I'm like, damn, I know he's sick right now because he got to go dunk it. But still, but um, so it's cool to be around him. Normal dude, awesome. Um, I was actually fortunate enough, like towards the end of the internship, Ramsey, uh, he tricked me. He said, hey, man, you got a duffel bag? I said, yeah. He said, bring it to work the next day. I'm like, what's he about to give me? So I bring a duffel bag. And he's about to give me a bunch of books or something like that. I don't know. But he gets up giving me a Vince Carter jersey. And it's the Raptors, like the old school, the white one with the dinosaur on the front. And it's autographed by Vince, too, which is dope. So I still have it. It's back at home, hanging up on It's framed in the wall. That's one of the – definitely up there on the list. one of the best gifts I ever got. But Vince was such a great dude. And I think for him, if there's anything the younger dudes in the league could have taken from him, basically during the season, he had to lift twice a week. 
that's what was mandatory. You can lift more if you wanted. But Vince basically said, is it cool if I can lift after every home game? That's what I've been doing in my career. And we're like, yeah, that's perfect. Like, if you want to do, like, do 20 years in the league, he's older than us, right? Like, I can't really, it'd be weird to try to switch it up. But I'm like, yo, that's what works for you. Clearly, it's been working. Cool, let's do it. So after every home game, he would come down to the weight room on game side, and uh, he would lift. And that was cool because the only bad thing, I wish the building was set up differently so guys could actually see that, especially the younger dudes. But I'm like, yo, you you want to you want to be in the league for a long time. You want to make a career of it, especially if you're not like a high profile guy or whatever. Do the little things. And after every like you think about it, every, it's 41 home games in a year for a regular season. Like you lift after every home game, especially on the Kings team when we're bad, right? You get smacked by 20. He still showed up. We win a home game. He still showed, it didn't matter. He always showed up and got this lifting. It wasn't anything crazy, but it was enough to, you know, maintain your strength or anything like that that you tried to build up on prior to the season. So that was the coolest thing to see with Vince, just like his work ethic on that end. And it wasn't difficult. It's just like, you know, you just got to be consistent with it. And you talked about the road trip. You did also do a little bit of G League stuff with them too, right? Mm-hmm. Was that a, over a couple of weeks or something? I- yeah, so and this is actually um, – I'll do a little foreshadowing. This is where my Wisconsin skills driving in the snow actually came to play. But uh, so the G League team was in Reno at the time. Um, and I spent time with, so I'll go out there every so often throughout the year and we go out there, um, for the G league I did and they give me a rental car, give me a nice, they put me up in a hotel. Oh, it was great. NBA like very, takes care of me very well. But, um, one of the guys got called up, he needed to come back to the King. So they said, well, we could put him on a flight, but Josh has a car. Why don't you just pick him up and drive him back? So it's Jack Cooley, by the way, like he was a big, big time guy. Notre there, Dame, so, right? Yeah. yeah. Jack is a cool man. I, I love Jack. He was super cool. Like, so, um. I go pick him up from his spot and we get in the car. We start driving It's in Reno. Like it's kind of in the mountains and it's raining at this point. Jack falls asleep. By the time he falls asleep, the rain transitioned to sleep, transitioned to heavy, heavy snow. This dude wakes up and he's like, what the, I was like, I know. He said, but it was just, I, I know. He said, man, he's like, I'm going to stay awake. I said, cool. I appreciate it. Marcus, the snow was so bad. Like if I touched the brakes, I would slide. So I'm driving 20 on the highway. And we knew it was bad because we're going on this bridge. It's like pitch black. And you see this uh, suburban or whatever must have spun out and his back end was hanging off the bridge. I didn't know at the time, but when we wrap around, you see the bridge is uh, basically the big drop off. Like if that truck fell, like they probably were going to die. It was bad. And basically, so I'm driving through the snow, like get through the snow. Thank God I learned how to drive and driven in snow before. So we finally make it back. So I get him dropped off at the hotel. I'm like, man, like, that, was, that was an experience. We have a game the next day. I show up in the locker room and all the guys are like, man, Josh, you could be my chauffeur anytime you want. I'm like, what? And they're like, no, Jack told us, man. They said, Jack was bragging. He was like, man, Josh got us through the snow. It was wild. Like, so he's talking me up. I didn't even know about it. It was, it was funny. Um, they got, he, was, he was happy we got back. I was happy, right? I, think we didn't, I didn't kill us. But, um, so even if your uh, strength and conditioning career died, you still had a full-time Uber or Lyft career at you then? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I, I was going to be the Uber black guy or Uber luxury, whatever it is, like the high end side. Like, my, my driver's skills, like, it lived up to the par. Like, if a guy needs a chauffeur, they can call on me for sure. So, you finish up with the Kings. And, and again, it all goes back to which a lot of these episodes have been with connections of the past and how people mm-hmm. vouch for you. And I know you had a relationship with Stephen Pearl, uh, Bruce Pearl's son, and from Nicolay. And that's how you kind of get to Auburn to be a GA. And can you kind of talk about? that run of just getting that job and, and what that ride was like with final four and everything like that. Yeah, for sure. So with that one, um, King's internship was done. It was only for a year. So it wasn't an opportunity for me to stay on. They had a head straight coach assistant and a G league strength coach already, but uh, Ramsey will connect the guy in the field. They're basically kind of shopping around like, Hey, what's available? You know, we're trying to find a spot for Josh. They go down and play the Rockets. Alan Bishop is the strength coach for the university of Houston still is actually, but, um, so Ram is talking to him and I get in contact with Alan. I've never met him before up until this point. And he asked me if, you know, I want to be an assistant for women's basketball, strength conditioning and or head women's basketball, strength conditioning. And I would assist men's with him in the same weight room. And I said, yeah, but um, that it actually didn't work out. And he says, well, would you want to do a, um, a grad assistant position at a big time SEC school? I didn't know the school at the time, but he said men's basketball grad assistant position. You know, you get your master's paid for and I get to do strength and dish for men's basketball in my mind I'm checking boxes like yep 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 everything I want to do and he says cool I've talked to you in a couple of days I actually didn't talk to him I talked to Damon Davis which is Auburn's uh, men's basketball strength head strength conditioning coach so I talked to him 
And that's what kind of get it set up. I never met him before in my life either. And basically he kind of offers it at this point and said, do I want to come down and visit? I'm like, well, the money I have saved up is to wherever I leave, like I'm gonna use this money, like pay for a plane ticket and you know, get my sh stuff shipped out there. At that point he was like, okay, cool. Well, this is my guy. It's actually funny because the 10 day road trip that I went on with the Kings, uh, you get a stipend. So each day you get like a hundred and some bucks. But because I was an intern, no one would let me spend my money. So I had like a thousand some dollars. I just saved it. And that was the money I used actually to get to Auburn uh, eventually. But um, so I get accepted for it. I got a plane ticket set up. I actually go to a Vegas conference for basketball shirt conditioning. This is the first time I meet Alan Bishop, the first time I meet Damon Davis. So it's kind of cool. Like, you know, this is the first time I'm meeting you. And then the funny part is like, yo, a week later, I'm about to take a plane down to Auburn. So I get to meet him. I get to be all these other strength conditioning coaches in the field. And now I'm starting to kind of get a name for myself. Really, like when you go to these conferences and stuff like that, everyone makes eye contact and then they look down at your logo to see what's on the shirt, which I people hate. I still hate it, but my logo said Kings at the time. So like you couldn't really tell me anything. Like at the, at the end of the day, like again, like I passed the face test, but that's the first time I meet Damon. But I had people coming up to me. I didn't even know. Oh man, you Josh Washington, man. I, I saw you on Instagram, blah, 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 this and that. I'm like, it made me laugh. I'm like, dude, me? I'm like, dude, I'm normal. Like, I'm just like everybody else. But uh, it was cool because the notoriety started to come. But like, I was always, I come from humble beginnings. Like, I didn't care about that. I just wanted to train basketball players. There was a point in my career where I didn't think I was good enough to do it at the D1 level. So I was like, cool, I'll do D2 or D3. But at this point, I'm like, I could be a strength coach at the D1 level and like be really good at it. So now, like my confidence is starting to show, not cocky, like, but definitely confident. I'm starting to come into my own. So I get the, that basically my connections in the field got me to Auburn, not even the Steve Pro connection. So here's the, the caveat to it. Damon was, I was almost a lock. And one of my buddies in high school, I told him about it. He's like, you know, Steven's there. And I was like, oh, wait, it didn't even dawn on me. I, I knew Bruce Pro was the coach, but I completely forgot. Steven is his son. He's an assistant there. And I went to high school and played basketball with this dude. So I hit up Steven. I'm like, hey, man, I know it's been a while. It's funny. Uh, you know, I actually might be coming to work with you guys. I'm trying to get a grad assistant position up at Auburn. He's like, what? He says, oh, man. He's like, for sure, man. Can't wait to have you down here. He goes up to Damon and says, yo, you know Josh Washington? And the Damon's like, how you know Josh? He's like, man, I went to high school. We played ball together. And then at that point, Damon's like, oh, this is a lock. Like, I got this is the dude I need, right? I got to have him now. So it was cool because my rap got me there in the field, like through my work ethic. And then the icing on the cake was that I knew Steve and I didn't even tap into that network. So you talk about, it's funny because I say six degrees of separation, like that's a common thing or not a common thing, but it's known. And basically you can meet a complete stranger and by way of six people, like you somehow have a connection. I get down to Auburn and that was kind of how I worked out on that end. But it's funny because you talk about people like Steven is an asshole. I've always known that like since I've grown up with him, like it didn't bother me none. So when the guys, how he is with the guys, he said something slipped to me and I clapped back and the guys looked like, oh, you were talking to Steven like that. I was like, what you mean? And he was like, no, man, like they all were like kind of shook that I said that. I was like, yo, I've known dudes since like middle school. And they were like, wait, what? And so now they're looking like, oh, so now they're starting to figure it out how much, how well me and Steven had known each other. So it was just kind of cool on that end. It kind of helped me like ease the uh, ice with uh, meeting the guys in the weight room, stuff like that, starting to show them my personality and then getting to know each other. So that was kind of how that started when I first got to uh, Auburn. Talk about that final four. I know you probably don't want to talk about it, but experience oh, that you yeah. had kind of following those guys and uh, Harper and Okeke and all those guys that, you know, made a crazy yeah. run there. And obviously within literally seconds of playing in a national title game. I get to Auburn and you, I mean, people who've been around basketball, they know how it is, right? Like season starts officially September, October. That's when you really get in the gear. But I get there in June sometime and it's like late July, August. And I'm like, man, the vibe was just different. Like, dudes were really locked in, but it wasn't locked in like, man, we finna win conference. It was like, no, we locked in, like, bigger than that. And I'm like, wait, these dudes really think they can make a run? Not like I was doubting them, but I was like, the way they're locked in, Marcus, like, I still get chills thinking about it because it was from head coach all the way down to the walk-ons. Like, everyone was bought in, everyone was locked in. Like, you showed up to work. And, like, it was a grind, but, like, it's July, August, and dudes are locked in like this. And at that point, I was like, so I'm going, I didn't know what, but I was like, something's going to happen. We get throughout the year. We're doing well. We're doing decent at conference. So we had a chance to win it, but we ended up losing. Kentucky had our number. So we lose to them twice in the regular season. We go to Rupp Arena at Lexington. They smack us by like 30. We get 30 balls. And then we come home. But that game, we lose. Like That was kind of like a little turn, semi-turning turning point. 
So we go into our conference tournament and we're rolling at this point. We end up winning our conference tournament. Um, guys are playing really well. They're shooting really well more than anything. So we go into the national tournament and we just won our nat- we just won our conference tournament. We're feeling good and we're the fifth seed and we go against New Mexico State. That was the twelve five upset. Everyone picked. And I'm looking like, damn, that's how y'all feel. I'm like, okay. The craziest thing is New Mexico. We played the first game in Utah. Elevation a lot higher than Auburn, Alabama, New Mexico State. They're used to a high elevation. So we're playing a game. Not that that was the reason why, but we're struggling. It has something to do with it, but I might put it all on that. We're struggling. They were playing really, really well. We're meanwhile, we're on our bench with oxygen tanks. Like, like it's, it's just different. And um, we almost lose the game, actually. Like, and honestly, we probably should have lost. I remember Dude had a wide open three. He was hitting everything all night. He smokes that one. Marcus, our whole bench, like we thought you hit it. He missed. So we win the game technically, but we all felt like we lost. We go into the locker room defeated. And like usually like you don't you feel like that in the tournament, you're going home. But Bruce Pro, great coach, he walks in and says, Man, I would have thought we lost. And like no one really laughed, but the fact that he said that, like I almost kind of like made it human, like, yo, it's okay. We got but he was almost acknowledging, like, yo, we caught a break. It won't happen again. So that was Kind of like when we lost to Kentucky in the regular season, like that was a turning point. This was like the ultimate turning point. So now it's like, okay, we can't afford to lose again. Guys are locked in next day like it never happened. So the craziest thing is this next run, next game, we play Kansas. Kansas is a blue bud, really good team. They were just young at the time. We smacked them like we ended up blowing them out. So now we're in a Sweet 16. And then the next team we play, North Carolina. They had Kobe White at the time. And dude, is a blurry fast. Other teams, like when they played him, they say, don't try to run against North Carolina. You want, like, you can't run him. And other GA on the basketball side at Auburn, uh, I always give him credit because he told Bruce, he said, or when they're in their scout, he said, no, we should run at them. And I'm like, what? He's like, no, think about it. No one's ran at North Carolina because they're scared. They said, but our whole team runs the floor. Like, Kobe White can't outrun all our guys the whole game. There's no way. He's like, okay, fuck it. Let's run with it. Nice little strategy. So the game started out. We get the ball first. I think we miss. They push on a break score. We push back score. They push again. We push. They push again. We push. Kobe gets the ball. You see him go like this. And now he's bringing up the court. One of the assistants looked at the GA. He was like, okay, I see what you're doing now. And it worked. Basically, he got tired. And we ended up, we ended up beating him. We ended up blowing him out. But the, the downside, downside of that game, our best player, or best overall overall player, but he's really good, uh, Chumo Kiki. He actually ended up tearing his ACL, which is really sad. I Actually, I couldn't even watch the rest of the game. Like I just hung out in the locker room because I felt terrible. You knew it was bad, but our whole team, like the whole concept was, well, next man up. So we ended up blowing out North Carolina too. And then now we got to play Kentucky next to go to final four. So we beat Kentucky and go to final four. The team that beat us twice in the regular season, the team that we, when we last played on, they smacked us by 30. And we don't have one of our best players. But again, like our team was so confident and we really believe like, yo, next man up. So Daniel Purefoy like kind of stepped in and Auburn was known for shooting, right? We're shooting it like out the whole tournament. So we go against Kentucky and we end up going to overtime, but ended up beating them actually. So now we get a chance to go to the Final Four. So I talk about in July, August, when guys are locked in. I'm like, yo, you motherfuckers really think you can make a run. And then now we're making this run. I'm like, okay. So it was cool to be a part of that. It's surreal. Me being a strength coach, like very small part. It was awesome just to be around those guys because they really worked for it and everything they got, they earned, they deserved it. So uh, we beat Kentucky. I remember like confetti falling. And I'm looking up like, wow, like this is like you talk about taking it all in. I'm like, this is crazy. Side note, it's in Minneapolis and that's where my mom is living now. So again, like in the NBA, I get to see my brother in Phoenix. Now in Minneapolis, I get to see my mom in the final four, which is dope. So I get to pull up on her. She's so excited, you know, proud mom, this and that. It was awesome just to be part of that whole experience to get a final four ring, right? Like I got that sitting back at home. It was really like, I thank the guys. I'm like, yo, I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you. Cause I have a small part, but this is your guys' championship. I'm just, I got to be a part of it. So I appreciate the opportunity, man. It was just, it was so cool. It was a crazy run. Um, Bruce Pro is a hell of a coach, the whole staff, like everybody like bust their ass, like day in, day out. And to kind of see it come to fruition was cool. So now the bad part. So now we're in the final four and we need to play Virginia. And it's funny cause all the hotels, like when it gets set up you're all near each other. Our hotel was right across the street from Texas Tech. Virginia was like right behind us or something like that. But uh, we played Virginia, started off the game poorly. Like I said, like these dudes are fighters. And they're like, yo, we're not going to go out like this. So they make it a game at the end. We claw back. 
in retrospect, the ref should have called the double dribble right beforehand. He did it. And like, it happened so fast. Like, that's why I'm like, the refereeing job is so hard to do. It happened so fast. No one really knew what he did. We just knew it wasn't legal. It's kind of hard for you to blow the whistle if you don't know what you're going to call. He double dribbles. They don't say anything, but we foul. They shoot free throws. We come back, score, and then Kyle, a guy, gets the shot in the corner. And I know the rules, right? You can't crowd the feet. So by definition, technically, yeah, it's a foul. But then this is why I can never be a ref, because in my mind, well, you missed the double dribble call, so I'm not going to call this one to make it even. But refereeing, it's funny, because, like, the next summer, like, the refs came out, and they kind of explained, like, the whole scenario. And they say, well, as a ref, you get scored, right? And they're not going to say, well, oh, you missed that play and you, and you made up for it by that one by not calling it. No. So if I miss that play and I miss that one, I get dinged twice. So that's why, and I'm like, okay, I get that. But I personally don't agree with that morally. I'm like, well, that's why I can't be a ref. So I understood what, ha- understood what happened. Um, it was just unfortunate. But you also got to think about it, um, like how everything comes full circle. The year before, Virginia was the number one seed. They lost to a 16 seed. That was the first time it ever happened. So they're coming for redemption, right? Um, Kyle Guy, speaking to him. He had just proposed to his fiance, right? Just got engaged. It's his senior year. He's at Virginia, number one seed again. Like, it's their time, right? Especially after last year. So it was almost like we were in the way of a rolling pinball that wasn't going to get, like, it, we had nothing to do with that. It was going to happen regardless. We were just doing the way. So kudos to them. I mean, it sucks for us, but like, that's kind of like the nature of the beast. So they end up going on to win it. But uh, it was funny because when we came back from the hotel, we get like a standing ovation for all our fans. But the coolest thing was Texas Tech was waiting for us. And they gave us props as soon as we got the bus. And it was like, man, we want to play y'all in the championship, man. So, because like it would have been a fun game. Like, you know, uh, Virginia plays pack line defense, kind of slow, pace boring. And we, like, Auburn, we run and shoot. And Texas Tech, they like to run, right? They, it's the same. It would have been a fun game to watch, but uh, we ended up losing. So, Virginia was playing Texas Tech and they ended up winning. But uh, the experience, man, I will never forget just how we were catered to the places we went to, like how people were, like it was just, it was a really cool experience. It was a lot of fun. And I was just thankful and really grateful to be a part of it. So then you get a full-time job finally, right? You yeah. you've been, you you grew up in the Midwest, you go to the West Coast, yep. you go to the South, and now you got to check off the, the Northeast off of your bucket. So oh, you yeah, go to so UMass. So can you kind of talk about, you know, getting that job and really running truly your own strength and conditioning program now? Remember, so COVID happened, right? So in my mind, like, and we all know basketball season kind of ends at the very latest, like when the tournament's done, it's around April. And then now basketball jobs are really starting to pop up. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'll get a job by June, July, maybe at the latest. COVID happened. So jobs weren't popping up like that. Like people who may or may not have gotten fired or let go, now they're staying because there's uncertainty and like, I don't have time to, like people were traveling, right? To like do interviews and stuff like that. So basically everything's at a standstill. June didn't pass, July passed. I'm like, man, I'm not getting an opportunity. So I was waiting on a few things to happen, but they weren't panning out as fast as I would like. And then UMass was offering at the time. I had to take it. Like, I didn't have any other options. And I couldn't stay at Auburn anymore. Like, they're thankful enough to keep me on until I found a job. But really, they could have probably canned me as soon as I graduated. So fortunate enough, I was able to stay on until I did find an opportunity. I get to UMass. Now I get to run my own program. But the thing with that, Marcus, is even back with the Sacramento Kings, and through Auburn, like I always operated, like I was my own strength. Like I was already operating full time. I was already operating like I had to run the show, not to undermine any of my superiors or anything like that. That was just my approach. Like, yo, you don't have to tell me what to do. I know what needs to be done. I'm going to get it done. That's it. If I need help, I'm not afraid to ask, but you got to look over your shoulder and check and make sure Josh is doing what he needs to do. It's getting done, period. So that's why I think I, re- I have so much appreciation and love for Damon at Auburn because either he recognized that or he just knew, but like, he let me rock. Like when I first got to Auburn, the very first week, like he went on, it was 4th of July. I think he went, or the next, second week he went on vacation. And they said, no, you got it. So I had to train the guys by myself. I just met these dudes the week prior, but that was how much like faith and trust he had in me. So, so at some point, like I knew if I didn't know, like other people around me figured I knew what I was doing. And like, it wasn't a fake it till you make it. Like I was already doing it. So I already carried myself that way. So when I get to UMass, I knew what I was doing already. So I get there Basically, I'm just running the show. The coach, it was cool because I've been fortunate enough. The coaches let me do what I want. They don't hold my hand. They're not in the weight room saying, why aren't you doing this? Or you should be doing this. Like they said, no, I trust you to do it. And I'm like, cool. I don't need to be micromanaged. I love training. I want to be here. I know it needs to be done. So he let me rock. And then um, so at that point, I'm just training, Marcus. Um, So I knew, basically, I knew what I was doing. Like I got to run my own show. I'm trying to think of any issues. I mean, I guess the difference between UMass 
and uh, Auburn, right? SEC compared to the A10 as far as conference. Obviously, it's the resources, it's the skill, it's the level of play. And I think the biggest difference there, UMass compared to Auburn, is the skill levels were comparable, right? They're similar, but the athleticism, like strength, more than anything, was different. Like guys, like SEC basketball, right? Guys are stronger for sure. Skill wise, similar, but Auburn still had the advantage. But the biggest difference was the strength. Guys, like they're just stronger more often than not. Like guards at Auburn were probably stronger, almost stronger than the bigs at UMass, so to speak. Um, it's just a different level, right? So I'm not knocking anybody, anything like that. It'd be the same thing if I was comparing D1 to Division three. So um, I'm training guys. Coaches let me do my own thing. I mean, and me, like I just, I know how to work. So I, it, it was fun. Um, besides it being really cold, Amherst, Massachusetts, nothing to do. Like I'm from Milwaukee. I'm a city boy by heart. And, uh, and it was during COVID, right? So not much to do. So really, I just train the guys, come home and just kind of chill. Um, I got really good at Call of Duty at the time <laughs> and Fortnite for a little bit. But um, yeah, man, I mean, it was a fun experience. I enjoyed training the guys. Like they had fun. I got to be on the basketball court. I got to do my own thing and shoot. Like when I had nothing to do, like I post on Instagram or Facebook, I just go into court and shoot at night because what else am I going to do at Amherst? It's funny because it's a college town, but they didn't have a college bar, which is so weird to me. It was a fun experience. It was a learning experience. I learned some positives. I learned some negatives as well. It was a, it was a learning experience for sure, but it, it was good. Like we had some good work. The other difference I noticed, guys at Auburn, like they're always in the gym. They're gym rats. And then these guys, not so much. Not just told them, I said, yo, if you want to play at this, if you want to be really good, if you want to get better, like you have to shoot, you have to get reps up outside of practice. Like what you do during practice is nowhere near enough. So right now at UMass, actually the guy is, I think, fifth in the country in three-point percentage. And he literally credits it to him getting shots up outside of practice. And I'm like, that's what you have to do. So at Auburn, I know we're back a little bit, but Chimo Kiki, uh, Jared Harper, uh, Bryce Brown, and then Samir Doughty, those four specifically, they had probably the best run in the tournament. But you look at the work they put in on the front end, like from June, July, all the way until tournament time, these dudes were either in the gym before practice or after practice getting up shots or playing ones like they worked on their craft outside of practice. They would always shoot. There were times on Friday night, I would just go in the gym and shoot and they're in there shooting. I'm like, damn, like I gave them their space and I was like, no, you can come shoot up with us. But um, they were always in the gym. So we get in the tournament and they were shooting like that. I'm like, dude, that's not a coincidence. Like those motherfuckers work for it. So me being at UMass, I'm trying to relay that to them. And it's not easy. Like people, yeah, you love basketball, but like if you want to be good at it, you got to work. It ain't just going in. I'm just going to jack up shots. Like it has to be deliberate practice. You can't just chuck up shots on, on the gun. Like, no, you have to get real game reps up. And that's what those guys are doing at Auburn. And then I was just trying to relate to the guys at UMass in my head. This is what you need to be doing. And I would joke because I want to shoot, right? And it's COVID. There's nothing to do up there. And I'm like, yo, how's your strength coach in the gym more than you? Man, I'm talking trash at this point. I'm like, dude, y'all should know. So now I'm just letting them hear it. I'm like, yo, I, I, I'm, I, I get up more shots than you. I can shoot better than you. Talk. I'm talking crazy. But if anything, like if I have to like provoke you to get shots up, then so be it because you would have more appreciation for that now. Whereas if I didn't say anything and then I saw what was happening, like I, I had to do something, right? Whether I talk trash or I try to persuade you, whatever it's going to be. I had developed some really good relationships there with the guys on, uh, some of the guys on staff and then some of the players as well. Now you're in Houston. And can you just talk yep. about performance hoops and what you're doing now? UMass at the time, my uh, girlfriend at the time, now fiance, she was going to Houston to start a PhD at University of Houston in kinesiology, actually. Um, we joke because we have the same master's degree. I knew she was going, and she was, didn't know she wanted to go because of me. And I'm like, hey, look, they're paying for your PhD. They're paying you on top of that to get your PhD. I'm like, how you got to go? And because of COVID, we spent so much time together to switch up and do long distance wasn't an option. I was willing basically to quit my job. And then for me, now I'm starting to figure out what I really want to do. Like I want to do strength conditioning. I want to train basketball players. It doesn't necessarily have to be at the collegiate level. I just, but I really want to do it on my terms. At the time, UMass, like the coach was upset, but he thought I was making a decision for a girl. And I'm like, no, really, because even if I do want to start my own brand, I'm not going to do it in Amherst, Massachusetts. Like, that, like there's no market out there like that. I want to go to Houston, third largest city in the country. Like a lot of people in Houston, a lot of opportunity. So ended up leaving there, moved to Houston with her. And fortunate enough, I get a job at Athlete Training and Health. So it's private sector, private sector uh, gym, but it's positioned on a hospital campus. And they have three locations. They're all positioned on hospital campuses. So Memorial Hermit is the big hospital in Texas. Something comparable in Wisconsin would be like a rural healthcare, uh, so to speak, right? Big hospital everywhere. But um. So for them, they're smart enough to get put on the hospital campus. 
for multiple reasons. One, the hospital take care of the overhead, right? Really, you're just paying rent for the building. When people get hurt, they have like a PT and a re- rehab clinic. If you were getting hurt, you go to the hospital. And then once you get, once you start doing rehab and start getting cleared to like do more activity, you would just transition to athlete training and health and to train with us. So we're getting athletes in the door that way, training that way. And then, so I'm still doing that. That's my main job. And then performance hoops, not just my own brand that I'm trying to work on now. And then really like it's just catered to basketball players. So people are familiar with uh, Paul Fabritz or PJF Performance on Instagram. They see like I want to do what he's doing. Like he's training basketball players, NBA players at that, some in college in high school but he's training on his time when he wants and it's a schedule but right you can do good work like people will find you so that's really what i'm trying to do in houston and fortunately enough i have mentors like damon davis uh damon davis ramsey nigem Corey schlesinger guys in the past who are very well respected in the field kind of vouching for me at this point so now i'm starting to get a couple contacts but then really i'm just trying to build it that way so performance hoops uh is my brand that i'm working on now and the best way to put it it's a, I provide strength and conditioning and skill development services to pro, college, high school. Like, if you want to train to get better at basketball, like, definitely hit me up. That's what I'm doing now. It helps that I have playing experience. I've been at all levels, whether it be collegiate, like you said, Final Four run at the SEC. I've been in the NBA. So I've been around. I've seen what works. I've seen what doesn't work. But I think the biggest thing for me that sets me apart, Marcus, is I'm very human and I own my mistakes. Like, if, I'm not going to BS. I'm not going to bullshit you. Like, if I don't know something, I'll tell you, but I can go find the answer. I'm very open. I'm very personable. I think that's the difference I have more, more than most. And I'm relatable, right? So it helps that I look like most of the guys I'm training. Even then, like, I can talk to you about stuff outside of basketball or outside of athletics if, or outside of uh, academics if it's the collegiate level. We can talk about music. We can talk about stuff you saw on Instagram, memes and stuff like that. You want to talk about girls, if you want advice, we can talk about that too. So the biggest thing for me is like guys see me outside of the weight room or outside the basketball court. Like, oh, okay, so he's not just a coach. He's actually a human, right? He's a like, normal he's dude. Man. Exactly. So, um, and I relate with guys like, and for me, like the younger coaches, if you're trying to make an impact, like, you know what these kids like. They like music. They like shoes. Like they like drip, clothing, whatever it's going to be. So for me, like, I just climb a dude on his shoes or it could be something as simple as we go to a team dinner and I show up at some joints. Oh, oh, you got some heat. And like, it's, it's little things like that. Or they see when I post stuff on my, you know, my fiance on Instagram, like, Oh, you in love? I'm like, yeah, I am. And I say that because some of these guys are growing up and they're taught to be, they're taught to be hard or rigged, you know, rough around the edges, not to show emotion or be compassionate towards females or women or anything like that. And for me, I'm like, yeah, y'all got it all wrong. Like, you can still be a man, right? You can still be kind of brolic, but yet have a soft side or learn how to treat women like the right way. And I think a lot of these guys miss that. So me, like, I take it as a, a responsibility to be a role model for those guys. I'm like, no, man, this is how you should treat your women, little things like that. So they just, oh, you hold your, you probably hold the door before your girl. I said, yeah, I do. So uh, it's little stuff like that, but then they see how I am. I'm like, wait, you can do all these things and still be like a tough, a cool dude. I'm like, yeah, like, you don't have to be hard like that. It's not a thing. It's been it's just been a, a ride and experience. Um, I'm loving my time in Houston. It's hot, right? It's a lot different than uh than Amherst, Massachusetts. My fiance, she's happy. Um, she's kind of miserable in UMass. She's from Florida, right? She's a Florida girl, so she's used to the heat. She's happy. Dog's happy. I'm happy. I might have compensated a little bit of money, or not even necessarily my career field, because eventually I want to do my own thing anyway. But it, I got out of the collegiate sector, right? And some people are like, "Oh, it's hard to get back in," and it kind of is, but Honestly, like, if you do good work and you make good connections and stuff like that, like, I still talk to Alan Bishop, who's at University of Houston. Like, I, when I first got down here, I linked up with him again. De'Aaron Fox, actually, his agent, Chris Gaston, family first sports agency um, is based in Houston. So I'm actually starting to, um, you know, build my contacts that way. It's exciting. Like, I want to build my own thing. Currently, I'm still training, athlete training in health. But basically, I'm just using that to, you know, pay bills and stuff like that while I build my own brand, eventually do my own thing. But um, that's where I'm at right now. I think long term, I want to have my own facility to where the guys are in Houston for the summer, like they got summer league or, or guys in the NBA or college, they're off for the summer. If you're from Houston or you want to come to Houston to visit, you can come train with me. I have my own facility where it's a full court basketball court and right, a, right attached to it is like a weight room, like right next to it. You come with me for two hours. The first hour or so we're in the weight room we're training and stuff like that and in the next hour everything we worked on in the weight room we're going to transition and apply it to the court and then now you can see the similarities and now guys are like oh okay this makes sense now. i'm like yeah so we're not just lifting to get big i actually want you to lift to get stronger and have a more robust body so when you are driving to the basket 
and you dunk on somebody and then the next time you drop to the basket they try to put you on your ass you can get back up or when you're playing 82 games in regular season after college when you're paying around 40 games you can handle that increased workload and some things like that um that i'm trying to work on and just kind of show guys like the similarities and basically like it's one and the same training and basketball like that is important it's not the end all be all but if you're gonna get better on the court you're going to need the weight room in some form or fashion some degree people need to realize everybody's different kevin durant walking bucket he's seven feet handles the ball like a guard very high skill does he need the weight room as much i don't know like <laughs> dude's at the top of the league right now right but everyone can't be kevin durant everyone's not seven feet tall with a guard handle like people like to say oh he can't bench he could have been 285 i'm like yeah but you also can't pull up for three like he, like <laughs> you not him like it's different so the training stuff definitely affects the guy like we're talking about the rotation it's important for the guys who's six through ten in the lineup or the guy who's in the g league trying to get a step up or if you're always injured right like do you train maybe you should build your body up a little more so i don't know anthony davis like that i can't speak on him too much but i see he's always hurt my thing is like what does i ask like i don't know if i'm asking questions like does he train does he need to train more? Does he actually need to pull back on training? Is he training the right things? I don't, it's things like that, right? That just people need to start addressing. But for coaches now, players now who are listening, like if you're hurt all the time or you realize in the beginning of the season, like you're jumping like 36 inch vert and then towards the end of the year, you're vert like 23 inches, something like that. Like you need to train. You could definitely hit me out. That's a conversation we could have. But that's really what I'm trying to do now is just help players in that way. If I was going, I, I got to leave with a quote. One of my favorite quotes uh, by Will Smith, he said, if you're not making other people's lives better, then you're wasting your time. Like, it's that simple. So for me, like, I, how I think I can find a value or help other people make their lives better is through training and then showing how that can affect your game in a positive way. Well, in a lot of ways, you've been doing it for a long time, but in a lot of ways, you're just getting started, too. So it's going to be fun to kind of follow, follow your brand and follow what you're doing, especially, like you mentioned, in Houston being one of the biggest cities in the country. So I think it'll all work out for you, and it's going to be interesting to kind of follow that journey and the growth. I appreciate you sitting down, spending some time catching up. Yeah, wish you the best in that new location and sure we'll connect soon. No, I appreciate it, Marcus. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you.